0: Stop here. Yeah. Yeah. It's Tuesday, September 8th here in Draft Shark Studio. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. we got a special one tonight. We are doing a main event live draft with the FFPC. Along with me is Adam Krautwurst, who you've heard before on our High Stakes Podcast. He's going to be joining me every week to talk about these FFPC things going forward. Adam, I'm looking forward to putting the team together tonight.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun. You know, the main event's finally here. Well, it's been here for a while, but, you know, it's finally here. Um, I'm excited. This is what we work all spring and summer for.
0: Yeah, this is not your first main event draft, right? How many of these have you done so far?
1: No, this is, I think, my fourth. And I've got uh, the last one on Saturday. Uh, I always like those because they're after the Thursday game. So that makes it interesting to see the ADP change on that. Uh, But this is my third pick from the sixth spot. So I've I've, I've done this before. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I can tell you're a high roller because you have to think for a second how many drafts you had. I'd be yeah, like, it's... I've, I've, spent, I've paid the entry
1: fee four times. <laughs> I have that's one right. Left. I did have a couple of free credits from last year. So that's nice. I'm not that crazy.
0: How have your previous picks, your previous builds from the sixth spot gone? What's gone right? What's gone wrong? If anything's gone wrong.
1: I guess the only one thing that went wrong in one draft, I did take Fournette in the fourth round of one. Um, because I needed a running back and I, which stinks because I really have faded Fournette all spring and summer, but I needed one. And I don't, I'm, I'm trying not to put myself in that position tonight where I need a running back to take a guy that I don't love. But other than that, they've kind of gone to script, uh, you know, taking running backs well, early and just hope some, hope some value falls. And was the Fournette
0: pick before or after Jacksonville dumped them,
1: It was the day, the evening before. Oh, so, good. Yeah, it was, it was pre- pre- pretty gross. But, yeah, so other than that, it's kind of gone, gone to plan, um, taking running backs early and hoping some receiver depth falls, and and that's it. So just kind of sticking sticking to my guns.
0: Well, how did you feel about Fournette's move? I guess, like, once he did get dumped by Jacksonville, obviously anybody who drafted him before that's like, oh, crap, what am I going to do now? So when he did land in Tampa, what's your feeling having him on that team with that landing spot,
1: you know it's one of those things where when you draft in so many leagues, you kind of just hope that one of them hits big and mm-hmm. I was huge on Rojo all off season just getting him where I could get him as like a maybe an RB2 in like the seventh or eighth round. so to have fournette go there kind of crushed that for me, although I have still been taking Rojo late, later on. but um if fournette's gonna find a spot where he can't explode, um, you know, if, if if Rojo goes down, Fournette could be unbelievable, and to get him in the fourth round of the main event, um, that could, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah, and I think that is a key difference. And Adam's about to be on the clock, as we can see. I've shared the screen on here so you can see the picks as they're made. Uh, we're not sharing the the names of the other players in this draft, but we are going to watch as Adam puts his team together, kind of talk through decisions. And, you know, basically just follow this draft because it's obviously some of the best drafters in the industry. I mean, it's a, it's a high priced entry fee. It's an experienced drafting group, people who have been drafting all offseason and have experience in these main events in particular. And I, as I was saying, I think it's a key difference for a volume drafter versus somebody who has, you know, one or two fantasy teams where you focus in on guys you like and you build the team the way that you want. And you have favorites that year. And if they work, great. And if they don't, it might not be your best year. When you're a volume drafter, it's a bit more like, well, I already did this somewhere else. So I want to take a chance with this here so that I have some exposure to Leonard Fournette, for example, in this case. If he does take over Ronald Jones's job and become the lead back in what is a terrific spot. I mean, for if anybody actually does lead the Tampa Bay backfield, clearly in touches for the season – it's a great spot with Tom Brady there, and we talked about it over the summer. It's in the player profiles and drafts.com. There's a lot more room for dump offs to the running backs. There, it, it should be a more efficient offense. So, whoever's playing running back for Tom Brady should be in better shape than the running backs with Jameis Winston last year,
1: right? The efficiency, the more opportunities to score from running the ball. Because they're going to be winning more games. So um I I am okay with the running their position there, but we'll see where it goes tonight. So i usually I would like to take the cheaper guy.
0: Now, people are probably watching or listening to this primarily because they want to see how the draft goes. So let's get to the first few picks off the board. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey's the first one. Saquon Barkley goes right after that. And then Ezekiel Elliott third. I mean, that's just how it goes most of the time. Alvin Kamara went fourth. Then we had um Miles Sanders, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. Michael Thomas at six, Adam, you took Dalvin cook. Are you at all concerned about anything, his contract or Minnesota's offense or anything about him that makes you apprehensive at all?
1: Yeah, I'm concerned about him being healthy. Um, So I was just about to say, you know, in these main events, I never, I see all these boards where guys go early and players fall and I'm never, you know, the recipient of one of those. Um, And then as I was thinking that Miles Sanders gets taken at five, uh, which is super high, I think. I mean, I've seen him go that high, but, not in any draft that I've been in. So I was hoping that Delvin cook or Derek Henry or Edwards Alaire went there to make my decision easier. I do have Edwards Alaire at one six in another main event. So um, I kind of wanted to diversify there, but the shoulder is really the thing that scares me. And just the injuries with, with cook, you know, when he's healthy, I think he's going to be awesome. And I'm going to try my absolute best to handcuff him. I know some people, you know, there's two different thoughts on that do you handcuff your own back do you handcuff other people's backs but in the main event with the big you know with with the big prize with the big um entry fee I really don't want to you know leave because if delvin Cook goes down and I don't have his handcuff I'm probably dead but at least if I have Madison um I can I can mitigate mm-hmm. some of that and hopefully stay stay alive so um yeah just the injuries with him I don't think he's, he's gonna hold out I think you know, he's, he's going to show up and play. And if he does, I think he's a top three back top four back.
0: Now you mentioned going after Dalvin Cook's handcuff here. Do you, I guess two questions really, do you in these main events, try to make sure to lock up the handcuff for that first round back that you take? If you do start with a first round running back and, you know, on the larger scale, do you find that that tends to be the case With most drafters, where if they take a first round running back, they try to lock up the main handcuff for that back leader in the draft?
1: It depends on who it is. Like if it's McCaffrey or Barkley, I don't care about that because, you know, the handcuffs stink and and those offenses really revolve around those two players. Um, But if it's a Boone, if it's a Kamara, you know, so, something like that, I certainly look to handcuff them because the handcuffs are, are are very good. And, um, but I, you know, what? I don't see a lot of handcuffing, you know, I, I tend to look every time I, I look at a draft, I tend to see if people are handcuffing and they usually don't. Um, which again, I find kind of, um, you know, people say, you know, you're not playing for, for upside when you handcuff your own back, but you know, you're also dead if that, and, and, and you know, Cook gets hurt a lot, so um, it's not like it's a, it's a it's a wasted pick. You know, so as long as Cook doesn't, you know, I'm expect it's like a James Conner thing. You expect him to miss two or three games, and the rest of the time, you kind of expect him to be a, a, a RB one. So I'm perfectly okay with, with with handcuffing Cook.
0: I think for me, among the first round running backs, Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook are the two that I would really think strongly about handcuffing. Alvin Kamara to a lesser degree, but I think Latavius Murray is going a little bit too early and we'll see where Madison and where um, Latavius Murray go. I would, I would make sure that I'm not taking any handcuff too early because I do think that they're basically a zero on your roster unless the, the lead back goes down. And I think, you know, the logic to not worrying about the handcuff is that you're probably getting a better value player, a guy who's going to give you more production in that spot if it is a a handcuff they have to take in, say, round eight or round nine or somewhere in that range where we see Alexander Madison go regularly. So the the logic to skipping on even those higher-profile handcuffs is that here's a guy that you're going to actually consider for a potential lineup spot. In this format, we flex two players every week, and then if Dalvin Cook does go down, it's going to be a downgrade from Dalvin Cook to Alexander Madison anyway. So – as long as you are able to compile some running back insurance, it doesn't necessarily have to be the backup that's not helping you when Dalvin Cook is on the field.
1: Yeah. And I love to me, you got to be in the right position too. If you're going to handcuff like somebody else's back, like if you're going to, if you don't, like if I take Tony Pollard tonight, I want to be in the position where I, where taking him helps me. Like I want him as my RB4 or something. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to have to, or RB5. I don't want to have to count on him as a, not really cutting in, but I don't want him to t- tie up my ninth or tenth round pick, and then have that spot just sit there all year, hoping for you know, hoping for Zeke to, to get hurt. So I I love the idea of having a guy like Tony Pollard on my roster, or even Alexander Madison if I didn't own Cook. Um, mm-hmm. But it's got to be you know, it has to work into your into your draft plan. You don't just take them mm-hmm. just to have them. Like if you, you know, if you need other running backs to start there, like if I was going to draft Jonathan Taylor as my RB2, I don't want Pollard as my RB3 because Taylor might start off slow and then Pollard just sitting there on my bench. So it really ha- it has to make sense.
0: And part of that plan could also be loading up on pass catchers to fill those two flex spots a week, every week. In case anybody who who is watching or listening is not familiar with the FFPC format, it's a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, and then two flex spots. Of course, the tight end premium scoring is the the big thing for FFPC, the big difference, one and a half points per reception for tight ends, one point per reception for all the other offensive positions. So you can start two tight ends. You will, There will be plenty of times where you'll start two tight ends in a week. The wide receivers, as you get further down the board, are higher value than the running backs. So I think part of getting a handcuff even if he's not going to be an option for you most weeks is having enough pass catches around him that you're not going to need that guy to fill in one of those spots either. You're going to have wide receivers. You're going to have tight ends that you play in those two flex spots that are outscoring the running backs that you would be drafting at that point in the draft anyway, even if they are um, not your handcuff types.
1: It, yeah, exactly. That's the, that's a good point. You want to get like the James whites of the world where they can kind of hang in there. Uh, and then if a, uh, if Zeke does get hurt, then Pollard becomes a, you know, a top seven or eight running back, and then then your gold.
0: More picks. We got Derrick Henry went right after you at the seventh spot. Michael Thomas, as I mentioned earlier, Clyde Edwards Elair after that. Joe Mixon went at the 10th pick of round one. Travis Kelsey at the 11th pick in round one. And then Devontae Adams at to close out the round. Now, Adam, I've done lots of the pros versus Joe's drafts and some other, you know, FFPC, FFPC format best ball drafts. I've never done a main event draft myself. I tend to see Travis Kelsey often go in the middle of the first round in those drafts. Does that, is that less so in these main event drafts in your experience?
1: Yeah. Usually he doesn't go in the middle. I mean, I mean, he could, I, I certainly wouldn't hate someone for picking him there. It's just, I think this year with people wanting to go RB heavy, the thought of starting with it with a tight end and having to wait around and not maybe get a a decent RB one in the second round kind of scares people away. That's kind of what scared me away. I have is I've considered this my third pick from the sixth spot in the main event. And I just haven't considered him just because, you know, if I'm not going to, I'm going to go some type of running back, um, there. So uh just plus I, I personally like some tight ends later. You know, I like Higby, I like Hurst, I like those options. So and and I love, you know, I love Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz. Like I might take Zach Ertz coming up here in the third if he's there. So mm-hmm. I just think getting a, a running back or two early is the way, the, the way to go.
0: And Travis Kelsey's ADP in FFPC drafts has sat at 1.09 in, in best ball, in the football guys championship drafts, and in the FFPC main events so far, according to the ADP numbers on Sharks.com. So going at 111 is right in the range where he's going. Obviously, there's not going to be a whole lot of movement in that portion of the draft anyway. Devontae Adams, George Kittle around the turn. Then it was Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, James Connor. the next five picks around two. That got us to your second pick, Adam. Why Julio Jones at that spot?
1: There I didn't love. Let, let me see who I, I ended up passing up on here. But, yeah, I obviously wasn't going to go quarterback that early. Connor was a little early there, uh, but he went in front of me. Uh, Chubb, I'm not a huge Chubb fan, so I went, I went with a stud receiver there. At other times, mm-hmm. I've taken Tyreek Hill. Um, okay. Tyreek Hill, again, is a little – Boomer bust for me, uh, but you know, I, but I have taken him uh, injuries me with Tyra kill too. So I just went for Julio there and they're both neck and neck to me. So I just went with, mm-hmm. with Julio just to kind of get some exposure to him as well. He's got a real nice schedule, obviously nice quarterback, plays indoors, all that stuff. So I have no problem taking a stud stud receiver there.
0: And I think that's a good way to handle the value in that range. When you see players like Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, even, even James Conner, as you mentioned, leave the board already by that point, the running back heaviness You know, some people might be more prone to then reach for the next running back, but I would personally rather do what you did and sit back and take the wide receiver value. You know, you could argue between Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones. If you have multiple teams, you're probably not taking the same guy every time. And you really, it's hard to argue too much against Tyreek Hill or Julio Jones. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson did go within the final four picks of the second round, uh, Nick Chubb and Chris Godwin in between them. What is the earliest, where would Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson have to be available for you to consider them?
1: Yeah. So to me, it's a situation. So the, the third round for sure. And then, I want to, I would look to, to stack them. So uh, in one main event I did from the six spot, I took CEH and then I came back and took Tyree Kill and then I took Patrick Mahomes in, in the third because he was there. So um, I don't think a lot of people will, will have that in the main events. And I, it's just, you know, it's exciting. It's sexy. You get to watch them on primetime all the time and they could all three be the excellent players. So um, but if I'm not going to – if I'm going to take a quarterback that early, and I'm not going to stack him. I'm probably not not going to do it. So that would have to be the situation. So Mahomes really wasn't an option there uh, for me, and uh, neither was Lamar. It
0: would be interesting to see what Mahomes does on Thursday night against Houston, which could be a pretty weak secondary again, Absolutely. and how that might sway some drafting over the weekend. Because, of course, the main event does finish up after the first game. So we, a lot of times, see big scores from Thursday night – go earlier in those drafts because you're getting those known points in week one. It can give you a win, you know, right at the outset of this thing that's basically an 11 week tournament and then another tournament beyond that to see where you finish. I guess, first of all, is it, are are you kind of sad right now, not being able to go out to Vegas this week to, to do the live main event and and sitting in a, in a, an an Adirondacks hotel room? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh
1: yes they don't they, they don't really compare uh, and an adirondack lodge and um and vegas don't really compare uh and i i am i mean i'm sure i'll be back out there next year but um but yeah it's it's much different drafting online than drafting in person it's so much more more exciting and um is
0: there more or less drinking when you're doing it online
1: Less actually, I I've, I could tell you some stories of the the of the drinking that goes on during the main event in Vegas, but um, but listen, spoiler alert here, we might have a modified zero RBA team on our hands here if I keep this up.
0: Oh, I'll look forward to that. So let's move on <laughs> to round three. We had Mark Andrews. You said you were considering Zach Ertz, but he went a couple spots before you picked Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Hopkins in between. Uh, I think round three is probably where DeAndre Hopkins belongs, and he's what wide receiver six off the board there then odell beckham mike evans he took in the middle of the round was there anybody else that you were considering along with mike evans at that turn
1: i'm ecstatic to get my own mike evans in the third um i obviously love evans the only downside to evans in this format is that he does have a week 13 bye so mm-hmm. that's championship week of your league so not having him that week uh, could sting Um, But I've got, you know, 12 weeks to try to figure it out to try to find somebody there. But yeah, I mean, I had queued up. I had Chubb queued up thinking he might fall because the news with Kareem Hunt. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor had him queued up. He's he's my boy. I had Zach Ertz and Mark Andrews queued up. So they all went right there. So um, Evans was a no brainer pick for me. I love Evans. I love the offense. I can't believe how many people are just down on the entire offense down on Mike, Mike Evans. And I've seen things from people saying that Mike Evans could break the touchdown record, which isn't as crazy as, as you think for, for receiver. And I've also seen people say that Mike Evans is outside of their top 25 receivers. And i just, I just, I don't get it. So yeah. um pairing him as my wide receiver too, with Julio. I mean, that weekly upside is just astronomical with though with those two guys. Um, so, but we'll see who's available here in the fourth. Cause I usually always go receiver here and it's probably not going to change uh, with the guys who are, who are on the board.
0: Yeah, before we talk about the other guys that were picked in round three, who are you considering? Who's in your queue as we move forward? Your pick in the middle of round four?
1: Yeah, right now, like, I love DJ Moore. Um, and he's, I got him at the top of my queue. He probably won't make it to me. And that wouldn't be the worst thing because, he, again, he's another week 13 bye. So that would be tough. to have two of my top four. But I've got Thielen in there. Yeah, there, there goes DJ Moore. Uh, I've got Thielen. I've got Ridley. I don't know if I'll take Ridley because I don't know if I want to both both receivers from yeah. from the Falcons there. Um, and obviously, I've got um, I've got the Draft Sharks Golden Boy there, where Robert Woods queued up too. So, oh, yeah. um, so I love all of those guys. I'm happy to take uh, Thielen would be would be pretty sweet with all the targets he's going to get. But yeah, Thielen, Woods, Ridley, AJ Brown are probably the guys I'm looking at here.
0: I'm not going to let. The fact that guys are on the same team keep me from drafting them in general. But if we're talking round two and round four wide receivers where I'm hoping to land guys that I'm going to be starting every week, I'm a little bit apprehensive about Julio Jones and and Calvin Ridley pairing those two up that early in a draft.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely don't mind doing it. If you're pairing up like an early receiver and a late receiver, because let's, you know, if the, if the early receiver gets hurt, well, the late, later round receiver is going to get a huge bump. Like like Deontay Johnson, if Juju gets hurt, it's probably going to get a huge bump in targets. Whereas I don't know if, if Calvin Ridley is going to really get that um, much higher. I mean, if you're taking him in the fourth round, how much higher is he, is he going to go? So um, that's kind of the way I look at it.
0: And fortunately, Calvin Ridley's off the board. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on what you want to do, but it's not a decision you're going to have to make. Kind of like with DJ Moore and the Week 13 bye, they took it out of your hands. So DJ Moore's gone. Calvin Ridley's gone. AJ Brown continues to go early. Adam Thielen <laughs> you mentioned was in your queue. He's gone. I think it's all building toward a guy that we've taken a lot around Draft Shark's headquarters so far this year.
1: Yeah, I have a ton of uh, Robert Woods. A couple reasons why I love, and I, you know, I'm going to say this, he's the only guy left in my queue. He's going to get picked now, but, um, I love taking Woods because he's he's consistent. You guys have talked all spring and all summer about, you know, what's the offense and how they're going to run twelve personnel and how he's going to get the targets and every year he seems to get one hundred and thirty targets and and the other good thing is too I think he's a nice um, you can you can kind of handcuff him so to speak you know they've got some they've got the Van Jeffersons they got the the later on receiver, the Josh Reynolds where you can take late round flyers on guys just to make sure that oh there goes Woods <laughs> just to make sure you get pieces of that passing game and never mind. Uh-huh. So I'll go well, with another Still a good pick,
0: even if it's not your pick. So I That's encourage right. anybody out there to take Robert Woods. I do think that he's been climbing a little bit lately because there seem to be a few more Robert Woods fans in drafts out there. So uh, I'm not shocked to see him go. It's a killer when you have one guy that you figure is probably going to make it to you, though. And he leaves your queue. The other wide receivers left the board. You could probably see him if you're watching video. If you're not. Kenny Galladay, Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster. Then around the turn, it was David Johnson, Chris Carson. Before the wide receivers, we've been talking about DJ Moore, Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, Robert Woods, and then Adam Settle on DJ Chark after having his heart ripped out.
1: Oh, that's gross. If I was if I was home alone, I'd probably scream at the top of my lungs. But so yeah, so Chark, I've been getting higher and higher on. I do love to Tyler Lockett. I could totally that would have been uh, my other pick there. I just have so much Tyler Lockett. I've got him in the main event. I've got him in a ton of – he probably is my highest-owned receiver uh, as far as, like, top 10 rounds uh, worth of receivers in in the football guys draft. So um, I'm okay with passing on him right now for some DJ Chark. I think the situation just keeps getting better and better. Their defense keeps getting worse and worse and worse. They're going to throw it a ton. I even went back today because I knew I was probably going to have to make this decision and I just looked at some highlights and he's just sensational. He's getting better and better. He's still super young. Um, I think Chark could explode and uh, maybe be a second uh, round pick this time next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a legit player from a talent standpoint. He is the clear number one on that team. Uh, They now have Jay Gruden, which, you know, we'll see what it means. It could mean more passing now that they've moved on from Leonard Fournette and they have a band of Oompa Loompas as their backfield committee. I I like him as a number three wide receiver because you're not, you don't need DJ Chark to, to definitely hit and repeat what he did last year or even improve on last year. As long as he gets close to that and and doesn't fall off completely, he he's in a great spot behind Julio Jones and Mike Evans to deliver your value.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But now, you know, now the problem Lies with team build here. So now I've only got one running back and three receivers. Granted, they are uh, great receivers, I think. But um, if one of my running back targets in the fifth round doesn't fall to me, uh, I might be I might be going heavy, modified zero RB here.
0: Did you think about Chris Carson or Todd Gurley at that Mike Evans spot, um, knowing that it does get a little slimmer at running back?
1: No, only because this might be the first main event I've been able to get Mike Evans because he always mm-hmm. seems to go before me. Like, like I love him more than anybody, so everyone, you know, everyone knows that. You know, it's just to rip, rip my heart out. But I finally, I finally had a chance to take him, so I wasn't even going to hesitate, mm-hmm. uh, and I took it there. And now in the fifth round here, you know, I'm I'm looking at some running backs. I'm looking at Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at JK Dobbins and I'm looking at Cam Akers if he's still av- available. Uh,
0: he's gone.
1: Okay, yeah. So those are the two running backs I'm looking, I'm looking at. Um, I think that they could both be league league winning picks, um, both for the same kind of reason. You know, they're they're number two. Well, Hunt has more has more standalone value week to week. Hunt could be the one A there. I mean, I know that might sound crazy, but it's a new coordinator you know what I mean it's a new situation Hunt was was excellent last year when he went when he came back I mean they just might think he's the better all-around back and and if they're losing games he might get more time so um I think Hunt is a league winning pick because if Chubb does go down Hunt's going to be a top five back and then Dobbins obviously um with the situation there if, if Ingram goes down or if he just outplays Ingram um he could he could explode there too
0: yeah I mean certainly if Chubb goes down I think Kareem Hunt's uh, a, a first round producer probably. He just went off the board at the start of round five, so not going to be in the decision here. I am a little wary, though, of thinking that we know anything about the Cleveland offense. I mean, Kevin Stefanski spent a year and three games as the OC in Minnesota, and he also had Gary Kubiak as an assistant there, so it's it's tough to know from the outside exactly how much of it was Kevin Stefanski. His OC now is Alex Van Pelt, who has not spent a whole lot of time coordinating offenses in the NFL. I know that Kevin Stefanski was enamored with Nick Chubb. I mean, he there were a few quotes from him right after he got the job where he was talking about how amazing Nick Chubb looked on film. So I think we're gonna get a lot of Nick Chubb. If the team falls behind, I guess we'll see. And and obviously Kareem Hunt's a good player too and they just extended him so they like him. I don't that every time I, I want to get on board with something in Cleveland, I just I have this feeling that we really have no idea whether they're gonna be good or exactly what they're gonna do or whether the offensive staff really knows what they're doing because this time last year we were all like, ah, oh, Freddie Kitchens finished up well last season. I think things are going in the right direction. Baker Mayfield's number one overall pick, he delivered as a rookie. I mean, what could go wrong in Cleveland?
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. That's why I'm like sometimes in those situations I just take if I like the talent, I just take the cheaper, the cheaper player. Now with that being said, I haven't taken much any of Hunt, but when you see, you know. He did get a little bit of a contract today, nothing, nothing huge, but I think it was two years mm-hmm. uh today or yesterday. So it shows that they have they have confidence in him and they might want him to be there longer than longer than Chubb. So I've kind of been avoiding the whole situation. Um, I did take some Chubb early on in the in the football guys, probably in like April when he was kind of going late second, but but since then I've just been kind of pounding receiver in that in that range. But uh, but yeah, it's just it's just tough. It's a tough situation to kind of know what what exactly is going to happen. And then, you know, when do you, st- do you feel comfortable starting Chubb in, in game scripts where they're going to probably be losing? It's going to be, you know, you're not going to like it.
0: So right after DJ Chark, Terry McLaurin came off the board. Have you taken him in any other main event drafts so far?
1: I have. I took him in one b- before. Um, and uh, I love him. You know, I just love He's good. Um, I think the offense is kind of built 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 around him. And I think they're gonna um they're gonna he's gonna be loaded up with targets for for sure. So of course Hunt and Dobbins both went. Yeah. naturally. <laughs> so, I th- <laughs> so I think I'm going to go with a guy who I actually love a ton. And as my wide receiver four, I know I'm going wide receiver again. It's crazy. As my wide receiver four, I'm going to go with Marquise Brown. Um, somebody said he's a league winning pick. Um, I read that somewhere re- recently. So I love his upside. I love, I think the passing game, they're going to they're gonna throw more. And as a wide receiver four, you probably can't do better than that.
0: I believe it was Kevin English from draft (laughs) that pulled out Mark Brown.
1: Somebody.
0: I won't say anything more than that, but yeah, it's impossible not to see the upside. I mean, we saw it right away last year and we knew going in that it was, he was coming off that foot injury that made him as this tiny rookie, not a great bet for full season success, but he and Lamar Jackson showed us right away what a given week can look like. And again, the farther down the farther you put them down the lineup in in this spot your fourth wide receiver it matters because you don't need every week production from your fourth receiver he is somebody that you can take out of a flex spot if marquise brown hits a cold streak if lamar jackson gets hurt if there's just a negative matchup if he's not getting as many targets in that span so I like it. I like that you're not reaching for a running back to make sure that you address the position and instead taking the, the value that comes to you at other spot.
1: Yeah, I usually... That's usually how, how I do it, to be honest with you. The one time the one time I didn't do it was when I took Fournette in the fourth round. I didn't like the pick when I made it, but I'm like, oh, I need a running back. And not even 12 hours later, it gets you jammed around my ear by him getting cut. And it's just like, ugh, it's so gross. But so, yeah, you know, sometimes you just got to go with kind of what the draft gives you. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to pound uh, running back here. I'm not going to love, obviously, my running back two, but, um, but with the four receivers that I'm rolling out there and maybe a tight end here soon, um, it might not. It might not matter because the, in these middle rounds, uh, historically, the, the the players that score more points are are, are the receivers. So you really want to dominate these mm-hmm. flex positions by taking these receivers um, that could absolutely go go crazy week, week to week. And then, you know, that's kind of the whole thing around zero RB is you get these later on running backs, these handcuff running backs, an injury or two or whatever next thing you know you've got yourself an uh an, an RB1 like if i do take pollard as as a as an RB4 and Zeke gets hurt well now you add you know pollard to cook and these receivers and now you know it's going to be t- tough to lose so uh, you do kind of got to get lucky in a sense and there's also waivers too so um mm-hmm. but i'm going to have to start pounding these pass catching running backs here soon
0: yeah there are plenty of those out there this year though and you mentioned wide receivers being the better flex bets if you line up the you know the running back rankings at the end of the year and the wide receiver rankings at the end of the year you'll see that through like the top 12 usually about the top 12 it could range a little bit top 10 top 13 in a given year but the running backs in that range will outscore the wide receivers in that range and then it gets to this point where the running backs fall off and the wide receivers kind of plateau so that's for me motivation to get one maybe two if it if it makes sense if it works out with who gets to you on the board but one to two of those top shelf running backs obviously we don't know for sure that the top 12 drafted are going to be the top 12 scoring but it's a better those guys up top are giving you the numbers and there's a bigger difference um, if you get those top guys and then uh, bang wide receiver later on again the running backs went earlier in this draft so the wide receiver value is what's coming to you and at this point rather than reach for Leonard Fournette, who went off the board two spots after Marquise Brown. Take the upside, Marquise Brown, and we'll see what happens. T.Y. Hilton went in between. Will Fuller went in round five uh, right after the Leonard Fournette pick, and then Cortland Sutton. I'm a little surprised to see Cortland Sutton stay on the board for that long.
1: Yeah, I'm not a huge I mean, I love Sutton as a, as a player, but I'm not huge in the situation. I just don't know. I mean, Locke is a, gun, a gunslinger, but there's just so many – weapons there that i don't know i mean at that at that point he's probably fine for sure but i've mm-hmm. seen him go you know i've seen him go in the fourth in the fourth round you know I'm, I'm not taking him over guys that are going to get you know 130 targets so yeah so Sutton. i don't i don't have i don't have a ton of sutton but yeah it's the running backs went heavy early for sure and then in the sixth round i'm looking you know hopefully for some for some running back depth to fall what's the What's the word on DeAndre Swift? I know he's been he's been barely playing in practice. What's the what's the word on on him?
0: I believe he is back at practice. I'd have to look up for the latest, but I, I'm pretty sure he got back to practice right at the end of August. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen his participation report for today. He's
1: he's a guy I'll, I'll be looking at here in the in the 6th round and crossing I definitely, I definitely think
0: we're in the range where he makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: In round five, we had Kareem Hunt, we had Melvin Gordon, J.K. Dobbins, Le'Veon Bell, Leonard Fournette, and then Tariq Cohen go off the board, which I guess there's a little bit of extra value to Tariq Cohen because David Montgomery is starting with that groin injury. We don't know if he's going to play in the opener. Still strikes me as a little bit early at 5'11 to take Tariq Cohen, I guess, especially for a team that did already have a running back. And then that same team came around and got Raheem Mostert on the other side of the turn. So I guess that's one team that, that felt like they needed to get running backs before The position gets more picked over,
1: yeah, and that's kind of what kills you. Like, it's hard to to strategize because, like, oh, I I can get Tariq Cohen. Is you know, if I go four straight receivers, I'll just get Tariq Cohen, he'll be the pass catching, back. and all of a sudden, Tariq Cohen goes, and this other running back goes, you didn't expect. And now, all these receivers are sitting here staring in the face, and you can't take one because you have four. So, I still like a couple running backs here. Swift, if he could fall, that would be pretty nice, yeah. I think it's
0: a good spot for him, especially after Antonio Gibson went. And I mean, while you're while you're contemplating. How much do you smile when you see something like the five six turn where team twelve doubled up with Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson at quarterback?
1: Yeah, I if I would have seen that because I'm not on the draft board right now, I would have just giggled. But um, but yeah, I I don't get it at all. Um, and it looks like too, like Tariq Cohen was even an auto pick. Like it didn't even look there's a star next to his name, so it's yeah. like. I would have loved to have Tariq Cohen, but the computer t- took him from me. So
0: blessing in disguise.
1: It's true. Yeah, it is true. It could be a blessing in disguise. But uh, James White here is a little early, but I uh, but I, lo- I just I probably like White um, as much as anybody does. Um, it might be
0: a little early, but I think he's okay. I don't think it's too early to consider James White either.
1: Yeah, so if Swift goes here, which he probably will because that's been the, the, kind of the theme of the night, uh, I'll probably go James White. And I also love Evan Ingram, Higby, and Hurst too. So there goes Stefan Diggs. So so yeah, I'll probably go Swift here because I think he's got a better chance at being a workhorse at some point. And then James White's ADP is actually uh, around later anyway. So maybe I could get White in the second round.
0: Yeah, let's take a look real quick at the FFPC ADP for James White on draftsharks.com and I find out that he is running back 32 going in the middle around seven so definitely not a, a given that he gets back to you uh, a chance that he gets back to you I also think that he he's he's a player who that has plenty of reception upside this year but he's also not the player that if you miss him you say ah yeah man no James White what am I going to do now
1: Right, right, and I'm I'm super excited to to get Swift. I mean, a lot of people have been high on him. I don't have a ton of him, and I know he's been kind of banged up, but it's hard to tell because with no preseason games and stuff. But he's a guy that is certainly the best player in that backfield, and if things work out right for him, he could be he could be a workhorse there for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it should be a productive offense. We have seen plenty of running under Daryl Bevel in the past. I know Adrian Peterson compliment or complicates it further, but. It is 36-year-old Adrian Peterson. I don't even remember exactly because I every time I refer to him, I call him 52 or something older than that. But That's right. There. I know he produced in Washington and he'll do something, but I agree with you that DeAndre Swift is the upside guy. They just drafted him in round two, even though they had on Johnson there. So there's definitely upside, and I think round six, the middle of round six especially, is plenty late enough to bet on that upside and see what happens. Zach Moss, speaking around six, he just came off the board before Devin Singletary went. And that's a couple of interesting uh, backfields now where first we saw J.K. Dobbins leave the board before Mark Ingram. Now we see Zach Moss leave the board before Devin Singletary. I think these are particularly noteworthy in you know these drafts like we said before savvy drafters a lot of money on the line have done these a lot so it's worth looking at the things that people are doing in these drafts versus the drafting public
1: yeah absolutely people you know know what they're doing they invest a lot of money especially when it comes to waiver wire stuff like you know you want to see who who's who they're picking up because that's you know those are people looking two three weeks down the road but yeah these are these are savvy guys it's and that's why these drafts are so, so difficult you just don't know what people are going to do, you know, some, you know, someone just went what back to back quarterback around five and six, like, you just don't know uh what, what's going on there. Like I never thought I would have gotten swift in the mid, in the mid sixth. So I'm super excited about that. Um, this Moss over Singletary thing has just got me so in a tizzy. Cause I was, you know, I was taking Moss all spring and summer in the 10th, 11th round. Mm-hmm. And now having to take him in the sixth, just, I can't, I can't do it. Cause I think that they're both going to be involved. Tim and Singletary mm-hmm. are both going to be involved and to get him in the sixth. I mean, He's not he'll have some standalone value, but you know, if Singletary needs to get hurt, I feel like for him to really live up to that sixth round price tag. But I do like Moss as a talent better than Singletary. So I think he could be the starting back there, maybe not week one play one, but he could be the starting back there. But I think if Singletary is healthy and with Josh Allen taking away goal line carries a lot, I I don't know if I love Zach, Zach Moss there.
0: That is one of the toughest things for me. About fantasy drafting, is you fall for a guy, and especially if you podcast regularly, you talk him up and get yourself even more excited about him when he's going in round 10. And then he climbs the board, he gets in round eight. You say, All right, I'm still taking him in round eight. And then you see him going round six, and you're like, Well, I've liked Zach Moss for five months, but now it's too early. I, do I not like him? I, I have to stop and reassess how I feel while talking about it. I do think that it's possible that Zach Moss does outscore a healthy Devin Singletary. I think it's possible that he just emerges as the better player and takes over the job at some point, whether it takes, you know, one game of Devin Singletary going down and then Zach Moss just kind of takes the lead share of touches. As you said, it's, I I'm not ready to say it's definitely Zach Moss and he's going to take the job over right away. Cause Devin Singletary was pretty good last year, probably better than most of us expected him to be. And he's going to be involved unless something happens.
1: Exactly. So I think it's, it's one of those things where it's just hard. Cause it's hard even for me to do that from year to year, like getting Chris Godwin everywhere last year in the late fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having to take him this year in the second is just so difficult. So it's even harder to do. So when you're on a guy, like you said, you're podcasting, you're talking up a guy. i well, off season, and then all of a sudden, people start to listen to what you have to say, or would they start to come around to the same things you were already on? And now it's like, man, now now I I just can't I can't pull the trigger on a guy uh, on Moss in the sixth there, but um, but hey, more, more more and they could they could be right if Singletary keeps fumbling and, and is in the doghouse, then Moss could be awesome.
0: Now you've got two running backs and four wide receivers through six picks. We're coming up on your spot. What are you looking at as possibilities?
1: Yeah, so there's uh, there's one pick and then me. So I got two guys. I want I want James White. And I want Hayden Hurst's and Hayden Hurst just went. So that makes my pick easy. There you go. Um, so I'm gonna go with White. So that ended up working out. I might, you know, I might not start Swift week week one, which sounds crazy out of your sixth round pick, but yeah. having White uh in, in the matchup, you know, I just think they're gonna chuck it to White all, all all the time. I think Jared Posted something today about how you know White could be the leading rusher and receiver week, week mm-hmm. one for, for the Patriots. So um, I'm gonna take White and uh, feel feel happy about it.
0: Yeah, I started draft season and I mentioned this the last time I potted with Jared. I was I started draft season excited about James White. I then talked myself out of him when they signed Cam Newton because we know that running quarterbacks tend to be negative for running back targets, but. <laughs> there are just so few viable candidates for targets in New England. And it's not like just because Cam Newton can run, the coaching staff's going to be like, okay, Cam, don't bother throwing it to the running backs, throw it to those garbage receivers that we've got for you. So I'm trying to talk myself back into liking James White as much as I did before. At the very least, I can definitely say that there is still the same opportunity upside for him because the wide receivers are absolute garbage. I mean, I, don't, I think the buzziest wide receiver in New England this summer was Gunnar Olszewski. Uh, I mean, maybe they were different, but he's the wide receiver that I heard the most about there this summer.
1: Yeah, and that was the whole thing. I love how I got to stop talking about Tom Brady, but that was the whole thing with Tom Brady last year. It was just like he's throwing to nobody. But yeah, it's like Cam Newton's not going to really make these receivers better. The receivers are just not not good. And I think that if they're building the offense around Cam, which I believe that they are, it's going to be a lot of – you know a lot of read option which i think is not going to be J- james white i will i will concede that um but i think they're going to run they're going to pass a lot to so the running back because they have a more than capable back in james white um and because i don't think they're going to be winning as many games as they were a little last year so they're going to be kind of playing from behind or or, or even game scripts so um james right's proven that he he can do it and the coaching staff likes him so i think with all that being said um i think and at least again for my roster construction, I just need someone at the, at the beginning of the year while DeAndre Swift gets, gets his legs on under him. And I think James White could at the very least be that. And at the worst, I think it could be a nice a nice flex option.
0: And, you know, there's the running back injuries that we didn't even mention. Sonny Michelle is back, but he's apparently probably going to be eased in in week one, which would certainly make sense when, when somebody's uh, lower half is being held together by a duct tape. <laughs> Um Damian Harris is out for at least three games with a pinky injury, which makes Ronnie Lott laugh. That's so right. it only helps James White initially. And I mean, you know, three weeks, if we can count on somebody probably being the, the lead back for a team for three weeks, he's worth something because we can't count on a whole lot beyond that. We can't really know what's going on. The tight ends, there's barely anything there in New England anymore. They've got a couple of rookies they're gonna rely on, Ryan Izzo. So I mean maybe we see even James White's role. Expand a little bit to where he's playing like a slot type role or, or running, you know, tight end type of routes split out um, in the slot uh, as opposed to just from running back. So there's upside. I'm trying to talk myself into it um, <laughs> we'll move on from James White because three picks later is a much more surprising running back pick Chase Edmonds in round seven. I know that there are Chase Edmonds fans out there, but I got to think that even the biggest Chase Edmonds fan is thinking round seven is a little bit early guy.
1: Sometimes when I see stuff like that, I think that it's like Marty McFly and he's got like the almanac from the future. It's like, wait a minute. What does this guy know that he that he made sure he got him like five rounds early? But yeah, that's what has me... Like, I don't even want to say Alexander Madison's name right now, but that's what makes me petrified. Like Madison's ADP is the ninth round. I'm If he's here at 8-7, I'm just going to take him because I will sleep better at night and because it locks me into a top. It locks me into an RB1 and I just... But people just taking everyone else's handcuff. I mean, that's crazy. Around seven, they must absolutely hate Kenyon Drake. So, um, so yeah, I'm probably going to go Madison here um, when you see people start to dive on these, on, on these handcuff uh, backs so early.
0: Yeah. That is a drafter that, that clearly doesn't believe in Kenyon Drake staying healthy and you know, he was in a walking boot it give it was only for a couple of days granted. And maybe it was really not a big deal. Like the Cardinals said, the latest thing that they're saying is that he was out for an illness or at least that's what he was saying and not the foot thing. So you know, we'll see about the truth when we get to the season, and all, there's always a chance that it's not the foot and it's something else. Um, we just haven't seen Kenyon Drake as a lead back. so obviously this person thinks that that they're yeah. not bet on Kenyon Drake holding up. But, that's why they're taking Chase Edmonds in round seven. I'm not doing that, but uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see if it works out for that particular team.
1: Yeah, didn't I think didn't Chase Edmonds get hurt last year though too? It's not like he's some some big you know physical specimen that's not going to get hurt. And here's and, and the whole point of getting these handcuff backs and having them be league winners is taking them later like you could take chase edmonds in the seventh round but you know if if drake gets hurt he's still going to be good don't get me wrong but you're not getting the value that you would if you took him two three rounds later which he probably could have gotten him so unless you know he was worried about the drake owner taking him but uh yeah maybe he was worried about the drake owner taking him on on the turn there but who knows we'll see
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's possible Chase Edmonds is just an overrated player in an overrated offense, too. I think there's I think there's a little bit too much excitement about the Arizona Cardinals, honestly, when they were okay last year. Maybe they're ready for a big step up, but I, I, I don't think that they're nearly as sure a thing as they're being treated. We've seen a couple more tight ends go off. Obviously, as we mentioned, the tight end premium scoring is big in FFPC. So a big part of any draft here is figuring out when to get your tight ends right Adam.
1: Yes, yeah, so I've kind of got my my little tiers and pockets of where I like to take them. I like getting Kittle, I like getting Ertz and Andrews, but if they don't fall into me there in the second, third round, I you know I like Hurst and Higby, but it got to be talked that through. I needed some running backs because I ended up going four straight receivers, and now once it gets through those guys, I kind of just wait see see where the value falls. Um, you know, I want to get the running backs that I need. Where it can become hectic is when you get to round ten and you don't have any which is probably going to happen to me where you have no tight ends and no, no quarterbacks. And then all of a sudden you spend the next three rounds kind of piecing together that, that position. But, but yeah, so it's on me now and Madison's there. It's a, it's a round early, but I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and take him just because um I think that's what I have to do.
0: I can see it. Uh, you got four wide receivers. There are 10 tight ends already off the board. So, you know, if you like the next guy, then go for him. Uh, if you like the next quarterback, maybe go for him, but we've only got six quarterbacks off the board. There are plenty unless you're team 12 that needs Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson right away. So that team's probably going to add another two quarterbacks at some point, but I, you know, I think it's a spot where Alexander Madison is fine. And uh, I I think that others have your, a similar mindset because the pick right after you was Latavius Murray and that took Latavius Murray right before the Alvin Kamara drafters
1: pick. It's so sick. Um, I remember the first time this happened to me. I was much younger, but I had um, uh, I had the Tomlinson, and I think his handcuff that year was might have been Michael Turner way way back in the day. And I remember waiting and waiting and waiting, and the guy uh, ended up snapping Turner off right in front of me. Uh, I think that was the handcuff that year, and I just I remember I couldn't sleep. I was, and that was the year Tomlinson had like twenty something touchdowns. So I ended up being okay, but I just I hate I hate that feeling, and it's my team, and I don't you know it, it may be I had an ADP, but that's just kind of how, how I do it. Is there was there better players there, maybe? But for my for for my team, and also I've I've got four stud receivers, so I don't need another flex player right this second. You know, I'm I, there's Deshaun Jackson's out there. You know, uh, there's a bunch of other receivers out there that I can that I can have as backup flex options. What what I needed was to kind of solidify my running backs on my team.
0: And the Zeke Elliott drafter also just took Tony Pollard the pick after Christian <laughs> Kirk right. went to the Camaro team. So obviously, this is handcuff land. That's right. Um, you know, right or wrong, I think he had the the right mentality here.
1: Well, I think that Chase Evans' pick scared the shit out of all of us, so we just <laughs> took, we just took our handcuffs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody, get your handcuffs out, lock them up now, uh, because right. the streets are about to get swept. Like I said, I think that if there's a quarterback you love and you don't want to get to let like, get away from him, you, take him. If the next tight end is the end of a tier for you, take him. But otherwise, four wide receivers, as you mentioned, and it's the fourth running back. Uh, it's a fine time to take a shot. Devin Singletary went at the beginning of this round. Then we had Marvin Jones, CeeDee Lamb. Brandon Cooks is in the mix. Josh Allen, the seventh quarterback off the board, did not go to Adam crowders Went to uh, the no. second and last pick of the round. And then Jamison Crowder to close out round eight. I like I like the value on him. I think he's a little bit underrated at this point still.
1: Yeah, he actually just queued up Crowder. I'm like, wow, he's still there. Let me queue him up. And then, and then he went. Crowder, yeah, he's going to get – you know, uh, he's probably he's definitely going to lead the team in targets. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just going to have a ton, ton of catches. They're going to be losing every game all year. So uh, Crowder's guy have a guy on a ton of teams. So I, I really like that Crowder pick.
0: Now, are you looking tight end yet in round nine?
1: Yeah, so I am looking, but again, I've got – everyone here is kind of right in the same range for for me, so I'll probably just continue to wait. I'm not going to go quarterback because usually when I – actually, hold on, I lied. Tom Brady's there, so I'll probably queue him up and maybe package him with Mike Evans there. Again, it's hard to have two guys on a Week 13 buy. He usually goes to the 10-10, so where are we? We're in the ninth, so I might just wait one more round on Brady because i got a couple of running backs and receivers that I kind of like here. So I I like Deshaun Jackson here. Um, I like – rugs it might be a little early for, for for him but um i know i know you guys are big uh, big deshaun jackson guys
0: yeah i mean certainly especially at the beginning of the year with jalen rager's shoulder injury i mean opportunities there right away upsides there throughout the season do you have tom brady on a main event roster already
1: I do, I do, but I don't have him. Um, I don't have him packaged with any uh, with any receivers. So, I um, mean, I might be talking myself into Brady into Tom Brady right here because uh, I like I do like a lot of the receivers. Deshaun goes in the tenth. So, Ruggs goes in the tenth. Uh, Hardman goes in the 11th. So Hardman, I know you, I know you guys hate, hate Hardman, but the thing that I like about him in the main event drafting before Thursday is if he goes off on Thursday night, you can plug him into your lineup because you don't have to set your lineup uh, before the Thursday night games. So if he, if he, if he, goes off or if, you know, if Sammy Lockins or Tyreek Hill were to get, were to get hurt uh, mm-hmm. on the Thursday night game for an extended period of time, Mikko Hardman's ADP is going to skyrocket. So you can take him now in the 11th round or 10th round and, um, and lock and lock in kind of that handcuff situation. And even if they don't get hurt and he just goes off on Thursday night, you get that, you, you know, you, you get that in your, in your lineup. So, um, so yeah, I think I'm going to go break Brady here. Well, why not? And you've,
0: I mean, you mentioned that we've talked, we've talked to McCall Hardman down a lot. And I, I, I certainly don't think that his production will match his ADP. I do think that in, A large field tournament like this, he makes more sense than he does in just a regular fantasy league because the thing that Nicole Hardman has is handcuff appeal. And that's not usually the case with wide receivers, but if Tyreek Hill goes down or Sammy Watkins goes down, maybe I would say the most direct correlation is going to be Tyreek Hill most likely, but there's certainly room for um, if Sammy Watkins goes down, maybe even if Travis Kelsey goes down, if if some key target in Kansas city goes down and we get a big target boost for Nicole Hardman, where he's getting even six targets a week, if we can count on a number like five or six every week for Nicole Hardman, then he's got huge weekly upside and could be a difference maker in this kind of format where you're trying to beat hundreds of other teams, as opposed to just the 11 that you drafted with.
1: Exactly. And I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like they're going to you know, last year, you know, he wasn't, he he was pretty efficient with his his touchdown scoring with the catches that he got because he really didn't get a lot of catches but i feel like a guy that's just i don't want to say he's talented because i don't know how talented he is he's super fast so i feel like yeah it is a talent you're right so but in like in an andy Reid offense i feel like he's just gonna gonna get better with 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 another off season kind of a pseudo off season and i just think that um yeah, like he's an injury away or, or, or just, he could just get better and better. And Sammy Watkins is such such a head case that he does have that. Uh, he does have that appeal in these, in, in these big tournaments.
0: Now, I, I definitely do think it's important to keep in mind that if nobody gets hurt in front of him, then Nicole Hardman's going to average two to three targets a game. And that's what he did last year. And it wasn't even two targets a game when Tyree Kill was healthy. So, I mean, he is a handcuff wide receiver. He's not going to give you anything because you're not going to start him when everybody's healthy. And if you do, you could get uh, two catches for 112 yards and two touchdowns or you could get zero catches for nothing
1: right yeah and yeah a guy like like hardman you're not really gonna you're not gonna start him unless you got a couple injuries and or you know if if he a bi-week filler or maybe he's in some like the perfect time to have and and i know this is kind of cherry picking but the perfect time to have hardman is for a week one thursday night game in the main event where you can sit and watch and see if he does anything and if he blows up you can put him into the lineup and if he doesn't you just leave him on your bench
0: now you took Tom Brady in round nine, as you said, Deshaun Jackson went after that, Noah Fant, Tevin Coleman, Jerry Judy. So we've got 12 tight ends off the board now, almost through round nine. Mike Jasaki went with the second pick around nine. Um, so he was tight end 11, staying in that range, even though I maybe you've heard something. I haven't heard anything about Mike Jasaki out of Dolphins camp this summer.
1: Yeah. I haven't heard anything either. I know... Uh, Fitzpatrick being named the starter. I mean, I assume Fitzpatrick was the starter all along, but him being named the starter is definitely big for uh, for Giuseppe because I know that they that he likes to throw into him. You know, the big body down the middle of the field. Um, but I'm not a huge Giuseppe guy. I mean, he was on my Top five main event team last year, where he had he had some some great weeks for me. I also got Josaki like maybe off the waivers last year, or maybe you know around sixteen or something. So uh, here, I, you know, I like I like your boy Blake Jarwin here. Um, mm-hmm. I like Herndon here. I like John Smith. I I really like Austin Hooper here. All the stuff's coming out about the rapport he's got with Baker, and I think something just came out yesterday like that he lived at Baker's house for a couple months or a couple weeks or something. Like I really think that Hooper could be really flying under under, under the radar there.
0: Adam, Baker's house is the stadium. I don't know if you've seen the commercial. That's so. true. Everybody it's on the team. Plenty is space. There's there. plenty of space there. <laughs> yeah, there's I mean, there's as much soda as you want. There's,
1: you want. there's <laughs> <of space> there. <laughs> bathroom stalls galore.
0: Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> for me, that's not a big draw, but yeah, cool I, I've talked up Blake Jarwin enough that anybody who's listening or watching this it, it probably is aware of my feelings on him. I would certainly um, be fine with him in round 10. I'm not going to tell you who to pick, though. I feel, I feel like I've said that enough times. Um, Rob Gronkowski was just auto-picked around the 9-10 turn. So he's the 13th tight end off the board, certainly getting to the point where it might get a little tricky to pass on tight end. So do you think there's a pretty good chance that you're taking a tight end with this front yes.
1: pick? Yep. So there's a one team between me and the guy who was on the clock that needs a tight end, actually two teams. So I could see two tight ends going here and then everybody after me has a tight end. Some people have two, so I probably won't get too cute. I'll probably take a tight, tight end here. Um, just because I don't want to get stuck, you know, with like a, like an Irv Smith or something as my starter uh, in a, in a tight end premium. So I'll, I'm, I'm looking at Jarwin Herndon, Janu and Austin Hooper. So if I can get one of those guys, I'm happy. And then I might even go back to back if, if the other one is is, is available. Uh, and I, like I said, there goes Johnu. So um, I might end up getting the last tight end here out of, the, out of that group. And if not, I'll have to look elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, those first two teams that took, well, it was another auto pick, but I would assume that that means Jonu Smith was at the top of the, the player queue for that team. But sure. either way, those two teams had George Kittle and Travis Kelsey on them. So even those teams are looking at a second tight end as value. Team 12 is interesting for me to look at. It only has two wide receivers on it. Devontae Adams, which was the first round pick, Julian Edelman in round seven, the only other wide receiver. They were the two quarterback team, Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson back-to-back at five six. and then four running backs around those guys, David Johnson, Chris Carson, Devin Singletary, Jordan Howard, Rob Gronkowski just now was the second tight end, as I mentioned. I'm always surprised when I see a team in a tournament like this I don't know. Start to get put together in that fashion. That makes me wonder what the person was thinking about.
1: Yeah, I was think that maybe they were looking to, to to dominate, like you know, the tight end in the quarterback position. You know, grab a bunch of running backs, thinking that two of them would 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 stick, and then just piece together receiver over um, the waiver wire or something. But it's a little it's a little cute for me. I mean, Prescott and Watson. That's such a that decision just. It's hard. You can you can only start one one of them. So, you know you're top. And if you get some injuries and bye weeks, and they're like good, you know you you can't trade. You can't whatever. So I mean, yeah, you know you might say to yourself, yeah, I'm gonna have a top three quarterback every single week. But it's easy to do that by piecing together. You know, if I had another quarterback with Tom Brady here coming up, I could have a top three quarterback every week. So, um, or top five at, at least. So it's just, I, did, I don't like the strategy. And, you know, I, it's very rare that you see something like that in, in, in the main event. And naturally, three tight ends have gone in a row here.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. Rob Gonkowski, Johnny Smith, Chris Herndon. we like right <laughs> Still have a few more picks before you're up in this round. So are you starting to get nervous here?
1: I am. Thank God it was, it was, um, the, Goddard. Goddard. Yeah, Goddard, I didn't have queued up because I I I, lo- I love Goddard, but I love him more as a tight end two, not a tight end one. Okay, so quarterback went there. So I'll I'll get one of my guys here. I'll, I'll get oh there goes Blake. All right. Well that decision was easy for me then. Austin Hooper it is. Wow. What are the timing on that?
0: Yeah, if this were my team, I would be in tears right now, having trouble <laughs> talking I'm watching Blake Jarwin go just before my spot. But and no, it's, this is certainly upside to Austin Hooper.
1: I was actually excited about that because I had I was trying to figure out how I was going to tell you that I was going to take Austin Hooper <laughs> over over Blake Jarwin, but now I don't have to say that. So I'll take you Well, that Austin. would have been a
0: simple way to decide when to end the draft stream anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. So the team before you still has no quarterback.
0: Team after you still has no quarterback. The Blake Jarwin team, it was the first tight end. That team started with three running backs and then six straight wide receivers and then Jarwin as their first tight end. And I think the rest of you are going to look at Jarwin after week one and see what a genius pick it was for that team after he torches the Rams in this game.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't hate Jarwin at all. I think he would, have, you know, I think he would, he would, have been a fine pick there. This is right where I think he should be. Going. I mean, I would probably have taken Jarwin over a couple of the tight ends that just went. I just <laughs> happened to like uh, Austin Hooper. I had him everywhere last year. So it might just be a, you know, a, a recency bias thing, but you know, you don't, I don't think you pay a guy that much money and bring him in to not, and then all reports of the camp, has been, he hasn't been anything flashy, but it's just been consistently making catch after catch after catch over the field. So I think they want to run 12 personnel. I think they want to uh, rely on that play-action passing. And just, you know, the play-action to the tight end over the middle is usually, uh, usually like a, a bread-and-butter play.
0: And I mean, the key is to not let recency bias make you do things in an unwise fashion. Austin Hooper came off the board as the 18th tight end, so you know maybe you look at him longingly because of what he gave you last year numbers wise but it's not like you took him as tight end 5 for cleveland he came off the board plenty late uh, i certainly think even though we started the we started draft season down on austin hooper because he was going at least top 8 in adp that fell quickly and he has continued to sink as i think more people have just gotten apprehensive with the Browns. I think people are a little bit less likely to to just feel comfy with Baker Mayfield and, you know, Odell Beckham's going early enough. Nick Chubb is not going too far, but even Nick Chubb has fallen down the board a little bit. So I think people are just kind of generally feeling a little bit apprehensive about drafting Browns.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think he, he definitely felt he's been down around this range since at least when we were doing the draft sharks of Invitational. So it's been about a month that he's been down in this tight end 18 range. And I just think, you know, he. I think he has upside well beyond that, and uh, you know, he's not a guy that I have a lot of because I usually take a tight end or two before it gets there. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to look at that when I'm going to set my line. I'm going, go, oh, man, I'm taking an L there. So, uh, and, and plus, I'm probably, I might take a tight end here just to kind of make sure I get two of these guys. Um, I like I like Ebron a lot. I I, I like Irv Smith as, as an upside guy here. And I, I like OJ Howard as a possible OJ Howard could be a league winning type pick in these tight end premium leagues because we just don't know how much how much they love Howard or how much, you know, Brady doesn't or does like him. You know, I think you're going to run a lot of 12 personnel there, which means Godwin will be on the outside. So Godwin really thrived in the slot last year and if godwin's on the outside i don't think he's going to be as as effective and i think howard could just be their slot guy this year um as far as you know lining up in line at tight end and out and in, into the slot uh when they're in 12 personnel so um there's just a lot of uh, question marks with howard as far as upsides concerned and if you know he's going a little later so if i look howard i'll probably wait around to get him
0: mm-hmm. um
1: but i think he could certainly I, and plus i prefer him as my, as my tight end three and these type things but i just think mm-hmm. howard has that you know, has that upside at tight end where he could, he, he could win you the, the the league.
0: What I like about Howard is the positive stuff that's been coming out from him and about him lately from camp. And it sounds like Tom Brady is coaching him up. It sounds like OJ Howard is taking to that coaching and changing and correcting things that he must've been doing wrong last year. And the thing to keep in mind is that even though OJ Howard really let fantasy owners and the Bucks down last year, his playing time has always been there. So he doesn't need his role to grow to be a productive player. He just needs to actually take advantage of the time that he's on the field. We know he's a good blocker, so they don't have much reason to take him off the field other than if he's a zero as a receiver. And I don't think OJ Howard's ever been a zero. He's been a little bit disappointing. So it sounds like having Tom Brady aboard can help that, I think that there is absolutely a shot that OJ Howard outscores Rob Gronkowski this season. I'll be very curious to see how that one plays out.
1: Yeah, I think he probably outscores Gronk. But I don't know if if it's one of those situations where they both kind of cannibalize each other and none of them has that right. elite ceiling. Um, but Gronk was off last year. Who knows how much Gronk loves to play the, the game? I mean, he might get hurt and call it call it quits. I mean, who who knows? So if that happens, Howard could absolutely explode. So I just took uh, I just took Eric Ebron there just to kind of shore up at least the the top half of my uh, of my tight end position there.
0: I like Eric Ebron a little bit ahead of Irv Smith. I think there's upside to both of them, but I think Eric Ebron is the Irv Smith that that we've already seen do it. They're both upside athletes. They're both in spots where they could get a decent number of targets and be key red zone targets. But we've seen Eric Ebron produce in that role. He's been in the league for a few years now. Irv Smith is in his second season. um, So, you know, we just haven't seen him do it yet.
1: Yeah, exactly. I like the athleticism the Irv Smith brings, but Ebron can kind of slide right into that offense. He's shown, you know, double digit touchdown upside. Ben Roethlisberger loves the tight ends, and he's not. Oh, I think you pointed out to me on a podcast like a month or so ago that you know, he's not as old as we think he is. Like I, I thought he was like thirty, but he's no, you know, he's nowhere near that. And I think I think he's going to do really well with, with with Ben. I've seen some highlights of him. Obviously, it's just camp highlights, but of him, you know, one handed in the back of the end zone and stuff like that. So. Um, I think if um, if they can get off on the right track there and Ben can throw for four, 4K again, I think Ebron could definitely do some damage.
0: Are you shaking looking at the team ahead of that picked just before you in round 11 now that they have added James Robinson to the backfield?
1: No. They're just not going to win any games. So like to have the running – if you're going to tell me James Robinson is going to get all the catches – On top of that, then if he's like the all-around back every single week, I would say that's a really nice pick. I just don't – we don't know who it is. We We don't know who the running back is there. Well, what we do know probably is that Chris Thompson is the pass catching back there. Mm-hmm. And he was actually the, it was between Ebron and Chris Thompson there for me. So if Thompson's there in the 12th, I'm going to seriously consider him. Cause I think again, okay. he's another, he's another James white light where he can, or maybe even the same where he could just get, cause they're going to be losing every game. Uh, mm-hmm. You know if he, if he's health, if he can stay healthy mm-hmm. or the games that he is healthy, he could get six, seven catches easily. So again, with, with the type of, a roster that I have where I just need someone the plan is for DeAndre Swift to be great uh, but I got to wait for it then I just need some guys to kind of hold me over for for a couple weeks
0: yeah I think it's a good time to take Chris Thompson uh, and whenever there's an injury or in this case a surprise cut of Leonard Fournette the instant questions are who is the running back to own in Jacksonville right now? The the answer to that question is nobody. There is no running back to own in Jacksonville. So if you're wondering who should I prioritize on waivers or who should I draft, who should I chase after in the draft? There's nobody that you should go out of your way to get in Jacksonville. I don't think, I mean, we'll see. There have been bigger surprises than an undrafted rookie running back showing up for a team right away in an, an open backfield, but to me, don't chase too hard after anybody in Jacksonville. Take the cheapest piece, the piece that comes at a comfy spot, and if it works out great, if it doesn't work out, oh well, uh, for me, I, I would rather take Divino Zigbo than James Robinson, but you know that's just based on the little bit that I've seen of both players. it could very well prove wrong and maybe James Robinson is the the lead ball carrier for that team by the end of
1: the season. Yeah, that's just a who you know who who knows um, if it I'm okay with a who knows if it's Tampa Bay. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, who knows? So All I'll right. take the cheaper one. And he could like, even if James Robinson is the only running back on the team, it might not be anything because um they stink. So I'm not gonna lose sleep over the over the backfield. Um, but I will say that Chris Thompson is certainly a target because I do think that he's gonna get the catches and he's gonna be, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be losing. So I'm I'm okay with taking him a couple rounds later than than they took Roy Robinson. Have you done any other
0: main event drafts since the Leonard Fournette release in Jacksonville?
1: Uh, I, I have.
0: Where did you see the other Jacksonville running backs go in those? If you if you remember any of them,
1: I don't quite remember. Uh, honestly, I think it was around this range. James Robinson's going a little bit higher because he's kind of the flavor of the day. Um, yeah. But this is kind of where they have been going. So, but I just I kind of haven't really been paying attention because I'm I'm kind of avoiding them unless I'm getting Chris Thompson.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, I make a joke about James Robinson. It's round 11. So even if James Robinson stinks, it's not crushing that team. So uh, just making a joke about the player. But Divino Zigbo's is going round 17. Raquel Armstead is apparently going to be unhealthy for a while. So I wouldn't bother taking him at all. I agree with you that Chris Thompson is the piece to, I don't want to say go get. I think he's the most interesting piece if the price is right, because we can at least envision his role and it is top pass catcher among running backs for Jacksonville. And that's a Jacksonville team that doesn't have a whole lot of proven receiving beyond DJ Chark. So he's the guy that I would go for among those. Again, I wouldn't overpay for any of them. And we'll see how it plays out. Sonny Michel just went off the board late in round 11 as well after guys like James Robinson, Marlon Mack, Duke Johnson, Daryl Williams. So the Patriots situation is one that I am never excited to go grab a piece of, and we're talking about muddled backfields, but if it, if a backfield for this team that wins year after year, and I know Tom Brady's gone, but the Patriots have won year after year to this point, so we have to assume that they'll at least be decent going forward. If you can take pieces like Sony Michelle, Damian Harris is still on the board late in the draft, in the double-digit rounds, then it becomes a lot more attractive to me to take shots on guys like that in this range of a draft.
1: Yeah, and as I say that, I didn't realize on Johnson was still available. Hmm. I think I might go carry on just because I have. Um, Why not twelve? Yeah, I didn't. I, that's what I was kind of frantically looking for ADP to see if. So I took carry on. I'm trying to see where he normally goes. I thought he went way before. Yeah, he normally goes at the 10-3. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm perfectly happy having that that whole backfield there, and that might be like I like the idea of having Thompson, but if Swift like so if Swift doesn't go week week one, you know carry ons. He got the backfield kind of to himself, I and mean, I don't think AP would do, do much. But then Karen's got that knee brace thing going on. I don't, I don't know what that that's all about.
0: <laughs> His ADP seems to be crashing lately. I've just anecdotally seen him drop farther than I would expect to in drafts since the Adrian Peterson signing. I guess that combined with him wearing a knee brace, you know, I guess it, it, it's understandable apprehension. But I mean, round 12, again, talked about it with the Jacksonville backs. It, it, there's certainly. There's not a whole lot of risk to a guy in this range, even if he doesn't pan out.
1: Yeah. And I think that might be, I don't want to cut my chickens, but that might be my last running back for a while. Just cause I've got, I've got two full backfields essentially. And I have James White. So I really like some of the receivers here. I like, I like the idea of getting Sammy Watkins here because again, with, with that Thursday night game, you know, every week, so, you know, it's an 11 week season, essentially 11 week regular season every week is so important. So to get off to a hot start to get this kind of edge and be able to see the Thursday night game to grab players off that game before it happens is it's, it's huge. I mean, I do have four stud receivers. But if you know if Watkins goes crazy and scores me twenty plus points, I'm gonna I'm gonna start him. So and and it's a lot, you know my thirteenth round pick will will be a lock for twenty something points. So which is which is a huge advantage week week one. So um, I don't know if I love him season long, but again to have that sneak peek at Thursday night for the price of a thirteenth round pick, I kind of like the the idea of that. And then also um, I saw OJ Howard on the board here, and then Joshua Kelly. So speaking of running backs he's kind of been flying up boards people have been talking about him maybe being the next melvin gordon there he's he, i guess he's he's look great at camp
0: now you've got tom brady as your quarterback you mentioned nope. his week 13 by are you gonna look now to draft the second quarterback at some point i'm not saying this round but at some point are you looking to draft that second quarterback to potentially even cover that week but obviously just be the, the second guy Or would you rather punt that decision until later in the season and play what's on the waiver wire? I don't don't personally know what tends to be available at quarterback as we move through the main event season.
1: Yeah. So normally I could do that, but this year I am not because of, because of COVID. So I want at least two quarterbacks on my team. So if someone has a fever Sunday morning, I'm not stuck with a zero in that category. So what I'll probably do not right now, but in a couple of rounds, like I have the um, I have the Draft Sharks quarterback strength of schedule here uh, that I'll pull up, and I'll see who's got the best matchup week thirteen of the guys who are available, and I'll just draft that guy. Just I'll just plan on starting Brady every week, and then I'll just uh, grab whoever's got a nice week thirteen matchup. So
0: I was just looking at that article, and I found that Ryan Tannehill is home for Cleveland that week. Uh, hmm. He's still on the board. Let's see. The other one, Kirk, Kirk Cousins
1: actually has. Oh, Car has the Jets too. I see, see that week. So that might be the night. Yeah. That might be it. So, so. it was Derek Carr, although he would be traveling to the East, uh,
0: which hasn't always been a great thing for West Coast quarterback. True.
1: What do you think of home field advantage this year? You think it's going to play a, as big of a part as, as normal? Like I thought the biggest thing with home field advantage was, was the crowd noise. But if there's not going to be crowd noise, I almost feel like it doesn't even matter. I would guess
0: that it will matter less. I think that. I think that we'll find out, uh, if, you know, for one thing, and I, I think that one factor that has the potential to weigh in is that travel. I mean, if you're traveling from Indianapolis to Cincinnati, that's not a big trip. But if you're going from uh, the West Coast to New York and it's a three hour time difference, I, I do think and there's been, you know, a little bit of studies on biorhythms and stuff like that. I think there's the, the possibility for it to to change you a little bit and affect you more.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I, I think there is some, and I just wonder how, you know, playing in an empty stadium could affect players differently anyways. You know, it's, it's just going to be so weird to me to see, I mean, basketball, I will give them credit. You can barely tell because of the noise that they kind of filter in there when you're watching it. But Mm -hmm. football is such a passion, especially on defense, such a passion driven sport that I think it's going to, play a huge effect and, and I'm wondering if we're gonna be able to hear all the trash talk that they're saying on the field which would be kind of cool
0: <laughs> they are gonna be piping in noise there as well but I think they cap. I think they're capping it at 70 decibels which I will get to see how loud that is but I don't think that it's as loud as a home crowd can get in an exciting game on a Sunday
1: sure so yeah I just took uh I just took Sammy in the 13th for all the all the reasons I just said you know part of the KC offense he's st- he, he's not old he's still He's still fairly young. Andy Reid likes him, and I take him every stinking year, and he kills me. But I just want the free look at the, th- the Thursday night game too.
0: And why not in round 13, kind of like with on Johnson? If Sammy Watkins is the same Sammy Watkins from that he was from week 10 until the end of the regular – or not week 10, week 2 to the end of the regular season last year, then you're not losing a whole lot, and you can cut him at some point you know, for something that's actually going to help you. Are you surprised to see the Pittsburgh defense lead the defenses off the board in round 13 right after your pick?
1: So round 13 is a little early. So because I I used to think round 13 was or you know 14-15 was laughable. And it's still 13 is it is too early. I don't mind the defense pick. I mean, Baltimore might be my defense or something, but I usually you know I don't even know what their order is of or those defenses early because I don't ever think about drafting them. So um, but I have been taking them a little bit earlier lately in the 15-16 range, only because I play in so many leagues that I do not want to be streaming defenses all stinking year. So I try to find a defense that maybe has a nice little four or five game stretch to start the year or, you know, a defense I can leave in there for even longer than that, because I know it's probably a a, a disadvantage to drafting so so many teams. Like I had, I had um, Matt Gay, the kicker for, um, for the Bucs. And they mm-hmm. cut him, and I, so I had to do like you know twenty waiver wires because I had him in so many teams. And just mm-hmm. the grinding for a kicker and the grinding for a defense makes me want to puke. So I'd rather save my time and energy f- to invest in other positions, which is what we're gonna do for Draft Sharks podcast this all, all this year. So, but I don't mind the Pittsburgh defense. I mean, I think it's gonna be great. You know, they get they get Cleveland, um, you know, twice, so that could be. They get the rookie quarterback at Cincy twice, so um, I like the pick if you're gonna take take a defense early.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen them be an early defense pick. I just I I like that the first defense off the board is not the number one scoring defense from last year, which it usually is. And it never is again, the following season. So it's good that 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 is at least not the first defense to go. Do you see it in your experience? And I know that's just, you know, maybe it's not actually representative, but do you see as much Defense streaming in these FFPC leagues, as you might see in previous leagues that you have played, or are there a lot of other players like you that just have so many teams to manage that they don't want to be switching defenses every week or two?
1: So, I think you do see a lot of streaming. I think what you end up seeing is guys. There's so so into the game here that, that they they draft based on like week one, like who is going to have a great week one matchup because like I said earlier, each week is so important. So that's generally what I'll do is I'll wait till the end of the draft, find out who's got a nice week one matchup, and then I'll take them maybe a week, uh, maybe a, a round or two early. I, but I think players do tend to stream them. And that is really the way the, the, the way to go. If you have the time and the, and the energy to stream defenses for 40, 50, 100, Hundred leagues then by all means do it but um some people just take a nice defense in the 13th or 14th round and just leave it all year and and in the ffpc it really does it really doesn't matter i mean defenses do not score that many points in the ffpc like you have to get a, you have to get a pick six or a kickoff return for a touchdown or something like if you're not getting a, a touchdown on defense you're really not doing much of anything which was incredible how you know new england was such a like a league winning pick last year because they just scored a touchdown every single week they were so so dominant Uh, but yeah I think they're going maybe sixth or seventh out of defenses this year because they lost so many players
0: yeah I think they're going at a, a decent value this year so far Joshua Kelly you mentioned went before we've seen some other handcuff level running backs AJ Dillon still I think people don't want to quit on the idea of him yet even though the reports this week are that he could be the third running back in Green Bay, which we've been expecting around these parts ever since he got drafted because he is a throwback to 1987. (laughs) Um, But he went in that round, Darrington Evans, uh, maybe the Alvin Kamara owner got back at the, uh, the rest of the league for missing out on Latavius Murray by taking the Derrick Henry handcuff. I guess, Adam, when we're talking about handcuffs, how many guys, how many situations are there that you are actually trying to, and concerned about handcuffing this year. I know we we talked about Alexander Madison. We talked about Tony Pollard. Are there many beyond that that you're really that interested in cuffing to your round one running back?
1: Yeah. So if I'm drafting, if I'm drafting Zeke, I'm, I'm trying to draft Pollard. If I'm drafting Kamara, I'm trying to draft, uh, his handcuff miles Sanders, for sure. I think Boston Scott's very talented and miles Sanders is already a little dinged up. Dalvin cook, obviously, but McCaffrey, no Barkley, no Derrick Henry, no Joe Mixon. No. So I think, uh, just a couple of those backs there. James Conner. Yes. I mean, he's not a first round back, but James Conner, I'm definitely looking to handcuff him. So I think it depends on on the situation. So there's a couple there. And, um, you know, handcuffing can be a blessing and a, and a curse. Not having to spend that extra pick on a handcuff is, is is nice, but it's also nice knowing that you can use a handcuff to kind of lock in top ten or top seven running back uh, running back value.
0: Daryl Williams, we saw going round eleven to not to the Clyde edwards Lair drafter. That team. Took Golden Tate in that round. You know, you never know whether that person thought that they would be able to get Darrell Williams later. Um, but interesting, and actually, the Clyde edwards Air drafter was the same one that took Chase Edmonds in round seven. So not worried about CEH's handcuff. Um, instead, of taking somebody else's at that point. Boston Scott was a ninth round pick. So. A handcuff that you'll have to invest in if you want to get him. Not too many other examples that I'm seeing along the way. Daryl Henderson just went in round 13. Naheem Hines as well. Divino Zigbo came off the board in round 14. He had an ADP around 17 before this. So climbed some, um, you know, the big news from Jacksonville and the news is in air quotes. But James Robinson was the quote-unquote starter on the unofficial team depth chart that came out this week. I think that has boosted him up. But it's clearly a muddled situation. Um, I think we're seeing everybody climb the board a little bit uh, because of the uncertainty and, and realizing that once you get into double-digit rounds, you just take a shot and see what happens. Uh, we got to your pick now. Divina Zigbo, Jarek McKinnon, Justin Tucker came off the board to that defense team. So that team took a defense and then a kicker. Uh, why Alan Lazard to follow Sammy Watkins?
1: I think he's on number two there. I've been wrong on that before, on who the number two is in Green Bay. It's really just... Uh... You know i like the situation um they're not going to go 13 and three again this year they're going to have to pass more and i th- you know with him being the number two there i think Rott rogers likes him you know he's my wide receiver six you know if he if if he hits or if Devontae adams gets hurt or whatever awesome um if not he'll be a high floor bi-week fill-in i think there and you know he, i think he was a rookie last year so you know he's another guy that could just get better and better um he's not a real sexy pick but I think um, you know having that nice floor there, being the number two receiver on an offense that with a Hall of Fame quarterback, that's probably going to be losing uh, way more games than they were last year. Um, I think uh, I like the opportunity to to get that.
0: Would you have taken OJ Howard as your third tight end with that pick if he had made it to? You?
1: Yes, yep, that was kind of who I was hoping to get there because I do like the upside of that, and I don't have the strongest tight end core. Uh, so I think uh, he he definitely would have been the pick there. I was uh, I was not happy to see him go.
0: Are you looking to get a third tight end or does it depend on who else is going to be available?
1: Yeah, I'm probably not. I'm looking now. I mean, I do like, I do like maybe with like my last pick because I just don't Ian Thomas. I don't love you. I know somebody's like, him. I think he might be the, like the fifth option there in the passing game. Gerald I mean, Everett. Team
0: depth charts too. Chris Manhertz was ahead of Ian Thomas on the initial depth depth chart there. We'll see if all these things mean anything, but for me, Ian Thomas has not been an option because the history on Matt Rule's offenses have been horrible for tight ends. And I I just don't think Ian Thomas is anything special.
1: Yeah, exactly. Me, me either. In this situation, I mean, when there's not a ton of talent, when there's not a great situation, you know, like like I would rather have Gerald Everett here because I know if Higby gets hurt, at, at the very least, if Higby gets hurt, Everett's going to be good. going to be good. He's going to be fine there. So I, w- I would rather have Everett. Um, and so if I, if I do take a third tight end, it'll be Everett. And it could be here, actually, because there's not a ton – uh, that I love here. There are a couple of receivers. Like I, I kind of want to take Kenny Stills because again, so he's behind two injury-prone receivers there for the Texans. Um, so he's going to get an opportunity to be, you know, one of the top two receivers on a weekly on a weekly basis. It's just a matter of who is he filling in for and when. Um, and then again, to get that free look at Thursday Night Football, where if he go, you know, if he goes crazy and Sammy Watkins goes crazy. Um, which could certainly happen. Um, now you're sitting pretty, uh, week one with with your late round picks going going nuts. And if they don't do anything or it doesn't work out, you just you, you just cut them.
0: I think Randall Cobb is still out there as well, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he is. I was actually just looking for him because I think he goes before still. Well, go. <laughs> oh my gosh, we we knock it off over there. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's a little bit early, but I mean, what's what's early when you're in the fifteenth round? So uh, I think I'm going to go. Kenny Stills here because I like that free look at Thursday, and um, and I really think he's a decent re- receiver. I think with with another year there and them kind of relying on him more, and Cooks is already you know iffy, and you know Will F- I love Will Fuller as much as anybody, but you know he's missing you know two or three games at the very least. So uh, I think Stills will have some opportunities.
0: My hamstring tightens up every time we talk about Will Fuller. That's
1: right. Will Fuller's body hates him. So I don't I don't, I don't know what's going on there.
0: Um, When do you think that when do you generally think that you need to get your backup quarterback by? Have you waited too long at any point on that? And I mean, is there a too long? Is is this just the kind of thing where if you accidentally waited, and the quarterbacks you thought were going to be there are gone? Is it like, oh, well, I guess I'll go with my one quarterback then until I actually need a, a fill in?
1: Right. Like I won't panic. Like I'm, I'm targeting Derek Carr. He goes to in in the 18th. So if he goes and there's no one else I really love there, I mean, I could take one just to have one just in case, which I probably will do. Um, you know, Haskins goes later, Tyrod Taylor, Bridgewater. Like I like those guys are fine as you know, they probably don't have ideal week 13 matchups, but I'll just take them just so I don't get a zero uh, for COVID uh, for COVID reasons on Sundays. And, um, and uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too concerned because I'm, as high as anybody or higher than anyone on brady so i i'm i'm not even going to look to take him out of the lineup um mm-hmm. ever so i just need someone in case for for injury just make sure it's
0: not bridgewater because he has the same buy bias as Tom brady. That, is, that is
1: a great point which which kind of stinks because i love bridgewater too and i would love to to take take them both but you know it's pointless uh, unless you think one unless you think brady's gonna, gonna get hurt or something but i'm surprised more people aren't on bridgewater i mean He's got an amazing surrounding cast. He's got an amazing schedule as far as, um, you know, as far as teams that they have to play and his defense is terrible. So he's going to be in great game scripts for a quarterback. I'm shocked he goes as as late as he does. I think there are just too many quarterbacks. I mean, I, I could easily say, why don't
0: people like Phillip Rivers? He spent most of his career being a top 13 quarterback. And, you know, it's like, well, because there are 28 of them <laughs> that can help me out. And, I you know, I say I say it about Tyrod Taylor. We've said it about even Derek Carr. And I don't – it's hard to get excited about Derek Carr when you look at his schedule and you look at it improved receivers and you look at how they produced last year. The Raiders' offense was better than I think anybody realizes that it was last year. And it really didn't have any business being so because there was not a whole lot to work with. So it, there's just so much at quarterback. I know I personally have – trouble getting excited about any one player because then you look behind him or just in front of him it's like well who am I putting him in front of Ryan Tannehill Gardner Minshew I mean all these guys can I, I could see them finishing anywhere between 22 and 13.
1: Yeah exactly that's 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 a good point um, there's just so many quarterbacks there's just so many s- situations and and a lot of people you know like like me they just take one and then they don't even care. So you know, quarterbacks are dropping just because you don't really. You only need to start one generally. So you're not even looking at it. And then you just maybe taking the guy who's got the bye week for the quarterback that you're starting. So yeah, I, don't, I just normally I just like to find you know one or two quarterbacks that I like in the mid rounds, and generally just pound those guys. Um, take them every draft all summer because usually quarterbacks don't get hurt. And um, you know, I'm not I'm not taking quarterbacks high usually. So, uh, so yeah, it it really, really doesn't matter. Like, like you said, just take one and just if, uh, especially in home leagues, you know, 12 team home leagues, they're, they're on waivers constantly.
0: So quarterbacks that have gone so far, obviously we had the, the first two go in round two, but then we had, uh, Dak and Deshaun at the 5-6 turn. Then Kyler and Russell Wilson went together in round 7. Josh Allen, round 8. Tom Brady, round 9. Matt Ryan, round 10. So there really hasn't been a quarterback run. The closest thing to a quarterback run in this draft has been four of them going in round 12, and none of those was even back-to-back picks. There was Daniel Jones, there was Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, Matthew Stafford. So there's been value available throughout. Uh, it, It looks to me like And comparing it to the ADP as well, it looks to me like there's not really a whole lot of an advantage to be gained in a main event by chasing after a quarterback early. It seems like even though more people are waiting, the game is still to wait.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can see it if you're doing high volume and you're looking for different stacks and you're looking to make your... Lineup be unique or something like that, or you just want a piece of of Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. Like I know the one main event I did, I I was able to get Edwards, then Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes fell to me, and I know I'm never going to take him in any other main events, and that was kind of the perfect spot to to do it. So, and you know, what healthy Mahomes is he you're locked into a top three uh, quarterback. But in the main of in the FFPC, they, they they really don't score that that many points either. So quarterbacks only get four for for, for a passing touchdown. So generally speaking, like if you look at the, these winning teams, like if you look at the top five teams from last year, none of them had. Patrick Mahomes on it. Now they had Lamar Jackson. My team had Lamar Jackson, but I also took him in the 11th round. So that's kind of where you're getting, that's where I like kind of that Brady upside, get him in the you know 10th, 11th. I think maybe they took him in the ninth or something, but get him there where if he throws for 40 or 35 touchdowns, um, that's where you find that value.
0: Right. We look back on Lamar Jackson last year and Patrick Mahomes the year before as these difference-making quarterbacks, but – a big part of that making the difference was that Patrick Mahomes was QB 15 and ADP. Lamar Jackson was QB 16 and ADP. So it's not like people were drafting them in round two or three and then winning their leagues. You 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 find the guy that explodes from his low draft position. We've already we've only got 17 quarterbacks off the board now we're midway through round 16 of a 20 round draft. So there's uh, there are guys available. Joe Burrow who went in round 15, by the way, I think is one of those candidates to be one of those guys that just explodes up from where he gets drafted and puts it all together. Cause he can run, he can throw, he has good enough receivers. Um, so I think he's the kind of player that you can, you know, grab down there and, and turns into much more than even you plan for him to be.
1: Yeah, exactly. Burrow, Burrow's a guy that, He's one of those guys that certainly has the weapons around him, and um, he could certainly have those monster weeks. You're just never going to start him, you know, for four games because you got you know Baltimore and Pittsburgh. But yeah, speaking speaking of defenses, I just pulled the trigger on New England in the 16th, um, a little bit early. You know, it's a 20 round draft, but uh, they they get Miami week week one. So Fitzpatrick, you know, although I think he did pretty well against them. For his stats wise last year, I think they can also, you know, he can also turn the ball over four or five times, which is really what you're looking for for these FFPC d- defenses.
0: And they have they're home for Miami week one. They're home for the Raiders in week three. They are home for Denver in week five. They are home for San Francisco in week seven. I think that though, I think all of those are are starting spots for the Patriots. We'll see about at Seattle in week 2. Certainly wouldn't start them at Kansas City in week 4. They have a bye in week 6 and then at Buffalo at the Jets. You know, we'll see and by that point we're, you know, we have a lot to figure out before we get to that point. Right. But I think beyond even just week 1, I like the Patriots starting schedule for this season.
1: Yep, exactly. So it's yeah, it's one of the situations where hopefully they had a master game for me week, week one. And uh, we'll kind of just figure it out from, from there. Um, you know, they get the jets twice, they get the dolphins twice. And so, yeah, I like, I like their, their defense. And I don't think, they, I mean, I know they lost a lot of pieces, but Belichick's a defensive guy and um, I think they're going to figure it out. They might not be, you know, they're certainly not gonna be what they were last year. That was, that was insane. But um, I think they could certainly um, produce value there.
0: And even last year, it was a lot of early schedule because they were a much different fantasy defense through the first half of the season than they were in the second half. They played a a terrible schedule early in the season or terrible meaning, you know, very positive matchups for your scoring defense in the first half. And they, they feasted on those and then were just like, I don't know exactly where they ranked, but they were definitely not the top scoring defense over the second half of last season. So. Um, Yeah, I like him. I like him for this year. Do, Do you ever consider drafting a second one? Like even looking beyond the week one schedule and saying, okay, I know I don't want to start the Patriots in week two and week four. Is there a defense that has a good matchup in week two and week four and then going ahead and drafting that?
1: No, no, because especially with COVID this year, I want to say I need as many of those other positions that I can because, you know, you're never going to lose an entire – well, I guess you could. Who knows? You can never lose an entire team to COVID. But so, no, I'd rather just – honestly, it depends on the situation. depends on the team. I'd rather take a zero for my defense uh-huh. um, than, than, than carry two because, again – the defense you're facing is probably only, only going to get like seven points or something. Cause the FFPC defenses just don't score, score a lot of points. So um, I'm not super worried about, about carrying a, a defense for those specific weeks.
0: Now you got four picks left. Do you know even position wise what you're going to be doing with the, the team the rest of the way? I know you're, you're looking at one more quarterback. Are you still looking at a third tight end with what's left on the board?
1: Yeah. So that's the thing. Usually I don't, Take a third tight end. Um, I like Eifert there. I think he's the starter for sure. Do you have you heard anything else on that?
0: No, I mean he was again. It's the the preliminary depth chart. It had James O'Shaughnessy ahead of Tyler Eifert, but they paid Tyler Eifert a bunch of money. I don't yeah. see why O'Shaughnessy would get more targets than he does.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's gonna. Yeah, I don't That's think O'Shaughnessy.
0: Chicago. I mean, we all laughed when they signed him, but That's true. Maybe, They like him. There's some talk about how good he looks in camp, which I can't say without smirking, but if he's getting targets, I mean, if he gets 75, 80 targets, it's going to be tough for him to not be a top 18 tight end at least.
1: That's true. And I I didn't even see him down there. So I have him queued up the bills fan. of me wants to take Dawson Knox. I just don't see, I think he's, he's going to get better this year as a player. I just don't see enough passing volume for him to really have a, a situation. Like in, in this situation for my third tight end, I'm looking for some guy with some with some big upside. and I just don't know if that passing game has it. So I probably will go with Jimmy Graham here, lock in that third tight end. I normally don't take three, but I normally don't wait this long to take my first one either. So um, yeah, and if, if Jimmy Graham gets hurt, I'll just cut him and right. pick up some, somebody else or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he's just done the way that he was late last year with, with Green Bay, then you, you dump him. But right. Chicago is planning to make him a key target for them. You, you only need 80 targets to be a top 12 tight end in terms of opportunity volume. So 80 targets is not a large number for somebody to get if that's what a team wants to throw at him. And that's that's why Mike Gesicki was good for fantasy late last year because suddenly he was a key target for the Dolphins. Yep. Still inefficient, but he was getting the ball – And he was thus scoring fantasy points. Absolutely. I think Logan Thomas is another tight end worth looking at down here because I agree with you. You don't want to. I mean, there are going to be weeks where Dawson Knox puts up good points, but I don't think that there is an ultimate ceiling for Dawson Knox to become somebody that you start regularly. I think there's at least a chance that Logan Thomas, if he is a for real tight end at this point, and he did out target Jesse James in, in Detroit last year for what that's worth. It's been. Four years now, I think, since Logan Thomas made the the switch over to tight end from quarterback. And he got talked up a little bit by Ron Rivera after they signed him to a two-year deal. So for me, Logan Thomas is somebody to take a shot on late. And if we're two weeks into the season and he's seen four targets and he caught two of them, then I'm okay with dropping him for somebody from the waiver wire. But if sometime within the first two weeks we get an eight or nine target game from Logan Thomas, then that's that's all upside from where you pick him.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people around uh, Logan Thomas and they say he could you know he he could take that um he could you know take a big jump and and kind of surprise some people and that that, that would have been a d- decent pick too um he goes he goes pr- pretty late so i think any any tight end you're kind of taking a stab at here uh, i think will be fine um starting to queue up some some quarterbacks here and i you know i haven't even looked at the quarterback position since i took brady and i'm looking like Roethlisberger, Mayfield. It's like, how is Roethlisberger still there in the 18th round? It's like, holy cow! You know, it makes me want to go see, you know, who he's uh, who he's playing in Week thir- 13 because um, I think he'll be better than Carr for the for the long haul. And then, um, if – week-
0: Washington.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's the pick. So yeah. if, if Roethlisberger's there, um, I'm taking him, which means he won't be there. So I'm going to queue up Derek Carr, and then hopefully I will get one of the one of those two guys here.
0: Even if those guys are gone, though, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, both have positive matchups that week, and they're both still on the board as well. Even though there are more than twenty guys gone at the position, you can still find palatable quarterbacks.
1: That's amazing, yeah. And that's really the biggest knock against taking these quarter quarterback. Early. I mean, Lamar Jackson with with that rushing ability, I get it because again, he if he just does, he doesn't even have to do what he did last year. If you're getting if you're getting him in the third round, he could beat Mount Mahomes. By a pretty decent margin, even if Mahomes is healthy, because rushing touchdowns are worth so much more. I just don't think he's going to run as much, um, and he obviously has a greater chance of getting hurt because that he because he does run so much.
0: Oh, there goes Roethlisberger. Still, though, we no, sure. got, got options. That's right. So we've got, let's see, you and one, two, three other teams sitting on one quarterback at this point. Um, One of those teams is the Patrick Mahomes drafter. So, you know, they might not be taking a second quarterback at all. We'll see the Lamar Jackson drafter just took Gardner Minshew as the second uh, at the beginning around 17. The Josh Allen drafter uh, is that's the so other one not the second quarterback. And, uh, you know, same kind of thing, it's, it's, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or whether it's Josh Allen, when you have that stud atop the depth chart, then it just it just clears up a lot of questions for you.
1: Yeah, I like the way you said that with stud with Josh Allen there. Um, but again, with a rush, like Allen scores with his legs a lot. So I'm I'm surprised they haven't taken another quarterback because he could I mean he's he's a big strong kid. So I mean he's 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 built solid, so he probably won't get hurt. But um the thought of having a rushing quarterback or the guy who gets a lot of points with his legs and not having a backup right now would kind of make, make me nervous.
0: Do you also think that if a quarterback seems a little dopey, that maybe you consider him more likely to get COVID at some point during the season, and you, you factor that into your decisions?
1: To find dopey, I don't really know what <laughs> what dopey is.
0: <laughs> I don't know somebody who thinks the mustache that Josh Allen has right now looks good on him. Oh come on, of
1: course it does. It's great. The...
0: <laughs> we'll see how how he uh, how he impacts that himself. We're starting to see kickers fall off the board as well are you looking at kicker yet or is that always a last round kind of thing
1: well i'm taking Derek carr right now on the 18th so i lock up that nice week 13 matchup and then yeah it depends if there, i'll queue up a bunch of late round flyer types here and if if there's four or five of them left on the board when it gets to me in the 19th i'll probably take my kicker because I know I'll get one of the other guys on the way back, and if not, I'll just take I'll take one of the one of the flyers here that I'm about to queue up. Usually, I like to take Josh Reynolds in this area. Um, I think he might be gone. Uh, usually, I like to take like some receiver flyers, like a Chase Claypool or or something like that. Oh, Josh Reynolds is there, good. Uh, Russell Gage, I know. I think you're a Russell Gage guy. I've got Julio Jones, so that's not that's not a bad pick. Ooh, I think you're a Russell Gage, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah statement standpoint but just from a that the targets are there standpoint i mean he drew an even he even expanded on Mohammed sanu's target share after Mohammed sanu left in trade last year part of that was other guys getting hurt but you know the role was there so the receptions will be there i think
1: is Olabisi johnson is he the, is he the two there or yeah according
0: to the initial depth chart and you know according to all of the reports leading up to that so some of the that depth charts we discard but that matches up with what's been reported out of uh, Minnesota that Justin Jefferson's not looking like he's ready to be the the number two wide receiver yet.
1: So interesting. So, yeah. So guys like that, Russell Gage, Olabisi Johnson, I got JJ Arthiga whiteside here queued up. So just some late, late flyers here. Um, it's kind of guys like DJ Chark last year, guys that people were queuing up here in the 17th round and they came out of nowhere and went crazy. So that's kind of what you're looking for here. So I'll probably take one of those guys and then, uh, and, then a, and then a kicker and call it quits.
0: Yeah, there you go. I do like Artega Whiteside in this range because, again, uh, nothing but upside from here, and he sounds a lot more confident. It certainly sounds like he's been showing out at practice this year, and that was not the case last summer. I mean, there was talk about him not looking like he was ready to deliver right away, and he, of course, did not through his rookie season. So there's a chance for a big step forward for him, and, and I like the immediate opportunity in that, Ortega White side doesn't need anybody to get hurt. If he's ready to go and if he's delivering right away, then he's gonna leave there. He's gonna leave no room for Alshon Jeffrey once Alshon Jeffrey's healthy.
1: Is Alshon Jeffrey still still a thing? Like I thought that that it was basically understood that it's gonna be Jackson and uh, and Rager there and is still making his way back from the foot injury but the team
0: not to start him on the pup to begin the regular season and they could have because he spent all of camp on the pup so they said even though they don't expect him to be back for a little bit yet I think it was Howie Roseman said he he thinks Alshon Jeffrey's going to be ready before week seven and then if they had pupped him he would not be able to play until then so he's going to be inactive for a little bit but you know if our Arth- if Arthago Whiteside doesn't deliver then there's room for Alshon Jeffrey, and maybe they just put Alshon Jeffrey back on the field because they believe he's one of their top two or three receivers when he's healthy.
1: Yeah, he's certainly a, a nice red zone target for, for them. You know, Deshaun Jackson's small, Rager's small. You know, they obviously have, have the two tight ends there, which are nice. But yeah, I just, I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about an aging, injured receiver um, there. So so yeah, I'll probably take um, Russell Gage or, or Josh Reynolds. Or white side or a kicker. So yeah, I'll probably go Gage just because again it's kind of a handcuff for my number one receiver, uh, and I don't think Russell Gage is that that bad either. So and also you know if Calvin Ridley goes down, then I'm locked into the top two there. So I'll take Russell Gage and then I'll go with a kicker, and that'll uh, that'll make it a draft.
0: Nice, yeah. I mean Russell Gage, I, Russell Gage is Muhammad Sanu basically. Um, sure. Limited upside. He's not going to go for a lot of deep stuff, but will get a lot of targets in that in that offense because they throw the ball a lot. It's also worth noting that Russell Gage converted from DB to wide receiver in the middle of college. He spent, I want to say, just one full year as a wide out there. And even in his final season, he had more rushing attempts than uh, receptions, or they were both in the 20s. So possible that he's still learning, and maybe there's still a little bit of untapped upside there. But I like, too, what you said about stacking him with um, Julio Jones so that he's a usable asset on his own, but also if Julio goes down, then you've got built-in uh, upside to them.
1: Yeah, so kickers, I don't care. I mean, I, I do like suck up because I do like the Tampa offense, and they have a week 13 bye, so I can just put them in there and mm-hmm. not worry about kicker for 13 weeks. But, yeah, so I'll t- take a kicker, and that'll be it. And kind of looking back, I like so I like the way the draft ended up going, you know, to be able to get Delvin Cook and then go four straight receivers. You know, you got that high upside, high floor with Julio and Evans. I love Chark this year, and then Marquise Brown is my wide receiver four. Boom, boomer, bust every every week. But I think the key to the team is probably Swift. If he turns into the back there, a healthy back, the second half of the year, kind of like a Miles Sanders did did that last year, and James White can get me there. and James White can kind of bridge that gap till Swift starts to rock and roll. I think, I think I'll be okay.
0: How important do you think it is to have that one, at least one pick, you know, more, more likely two, but at least the one guy who just really pops from where you get him and delivers much bigger numbers than his draft position would indicate.
1: Yeah. I think to win the half a mil, I think you need multiple players for sure. You know, you, you can win your own league with just having your guys perform and picking a guy up off waivers. But like last year, when I came in fifth, I had uh, McCaffrey who I took third overall and even having him at third overall, he, his performance still was, was a league winning performance from the three spot, you know? So um, that's how big of a year he had. And then I had Lamar Jackson. So everyone else was kind of just high floor guys around him. You know, I had Mark Ingram, I had Zach Ertz, you know, I, I, I think the championship week, I started Ertz and Goddard and, and Gasecki, So I started three tight ends championship week and that, they all did fine. And, and so if you can just have a nice, floor around two monster players I think uh that's the way that's the way you want to have a million for for sure
0: well if it was Ertz Goddard and Gosaki I think you were actually starting two tight ends and one gangly wide receiver
1: (laughs) one spry Dolphins wide receiver
0: I think beyond Swift I think that uh Tom Brady is also one who has the the chance to outperform draft position for you and you know if if they really just put everything together in Tampa and, and he I think there's Even forty touchdown pass upside that could be a difference making kind of player.
1: Yeah, the only I really truly think the only thing that keeps him from getting up there is injury. Like if he's he's been used to just being a Bills fan of why he's just been used to sitting in the pocket for an eternity and doing whatever he wants. So if he you know if he doesn't have that or if he gets you know blindsided or whatever and he you know he is older, so a season long injury or a big injury uh, would be the really the only thing that I think keeps Brady from being a top five Q. Well,
0: I look forward to seeing how this team plays out. If you are listening to this as a podcast, go on to draftshards.com. I will post the draft board from this draft. You can see all the picks that were made. I uh, will highlight Adams somehow if I can figure out the technology to make his stand out among the rest of them. But if, if I can, he picked from the sixth spot and you can just count your way down and see who he drafted. We will be back week after week, too, to track uh, the progress through the main event season and, and what it takes to not only draft but manage a main event team and try to win the half a million dollars from the FFPC competition. That's going to be the high stakes podcast. Me and Adam will be talking every week about guys to get on waivers and how these owners are performing waivers. You know, again, I said, I said it about the draft, but throughout the season, it's worth watching what FFPC players do.
1: Yeah. I think that the really helpful thing about what we're going to be doing is we're going to be putting out what we want to do on the main event teams prior to waivers. So we don't, we're not going to be those guys that after waivers come out, we, you know, we tell you, you know, who you should have taken or who we took and why we took them. We're going to tell you, you know, kind of who I'm taking and why. And that way it can, you know, it'll help you when making your waiver bids and making your starting lineup decisions for your, for your main event team. He's Adam
0: Krautwurst. You can find him on Twitter at Adam underscore Krautwurst. So, Hit him up with any complaints about his team, any things you think he should have done differently, or questions about how you should approach your own team if maybe you're newer to this FFPC thing than he is. Adam, thank you for letting us come along as you uh, worked your way through this main event draft.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, and uh, I'm glad you were here to see all the sniping that got done to my to my main event team.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I look forward to watching how everything plays out. So that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com to check out rankings, to build your own MVP board, and to check out FFPC ADP data. Even if you're not an FFPC drafter, it can help you steer in the right direction to win your own league. For Adam Krautwurst, the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.